we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Well, slowly but surely, we are seeing movement with groups, organizations, uh, political affiliations uh, uh, start to push back, which is something we've been really waiting to see, I mean, watching for. And this happened in Mississippi. Quite, quite fascinating what took place. Uh, and, and I think I'll phrase it this way. What happens when you have 17 medical experts given COVID truths and six patients who were injured by the COVID shots well, it's a clarion call to change. Uh, welcome in here to America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud here along with my co-host. Dr. Peter McCullough. And you were the one moderating, I understand, this meeting in Mississippi. Is that correct? You know, I was the lead uh, witness. It was moderated by Dr. John Witcher, who's a Mississippi physician who's been an early treatment physician and an advocate of uh, fair review of vaccine safety and efficacy. But we were joined by quite a contingent, both doctors within Mississippi and from uh, around the United States, as well as uh, other support people, scientists, nurses, and importantly, patients. Right. This was standing room only, right? It was quite, uh, quite a place. Every chair was filled. Uh, we were in the Capitol building. Mm -hmm. And like so many now of these uh, state uh, proceedings, uh, there is an intensity. There's a buzz and interest around what's going on. Wow. And uh, the public comes. In this case, the Capitol building is a very open place. They welcome everyone in. And uh, boy, did they did they really hear what they what they came to listen to? So it was an amazing day. Anything different uh, from well, was you surprised at all with the end result of this thing? Did did you get what you think you needed? You know, the tenor in this one was very different. I, I think in prior yeah. uh, deliberations, there was just a lot of data review and a lot of inferences and 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 more data. Uh, this one was clear. Every single mm. person concluded by saying, listen, these things need to be taken off the market, the statewide market. If the United States federal government's not going to do it, we've got to do it in the state. So are they are they doing it? Are they going to do it? Supposedly, yes, right? Well, the question is, what's the mechanism mm -hmm. by which it can be done? It's interesting. The state of Mississippi does not have a surgeon general. It has a oh. uh, physician medical director, of which that story is uh, a, a great tale that was told with the uh, the main physician director's last name is Dobbs. Throughout the uh, pandemic, uh, he uh, retired in disgrace after uh, after a, a published dispute between him and uh, a prominent medical group in Greenville, Mississippi, who were treating patients with COVID, and he attempted to undermine them. And this uh, became public in a journal, and ultimately it led to his resignation. And um, so the mechanism by which uh, the the products would come off the market, we believe, would be through uh, through Health and Human Services uh, conclusion that that should be the case. Uh, uh, certainly, the the um, governor Tate and the uh, um, 
the attorney general would have mm. to make a call. It's a consumer product mm. issue. That's really what it is. Consumer product safety. These types of things have happened before. But the, the main thing is they're not going to be able to sweep this under the carpet, right? I mean, that's the main thing because of this hearing, what took place, I would imagine. Oh, good point. I, I mean, it, once things get to the point of Senate or in this case, House of Representative testimony, right. uh, you know, these are things that are on the ledger. They're, they're on agendas. They don't get swept under the rug. I realized actually from one of the House members who came up to me afterwards and talked, he said, he said, you know how many things get swept under the rug? And I said, no, how does that happen? Mm. He said that that uh, there'll be a concerned uh, House member or Senate member, and they'll actually draft uh, some type of bill to be heard. And it'll go to a committee. And then there's a chairman of the committee. And if the chairman of the committee, based on his or her biases, decides that this issue isn't worthy of being heard, it literally just drops. Hmm. So there are so many things, he said, because it's it's a committee of one, really, before something is heard by a broader committee. So things never get entered into the record. So he says, I can't tell you how many bills hmm. have been drafted, and yeah. they actually are never entered into the record. I was, I was wondering why in Texas, uh, Senator Bob Hall, who's one of our great advocates, why every time he writes a bill, he went to, he, he posts it on social media. <laughs> we post the draft bill. I think mainly to tell people, listen, I'm trying. This bill has been drafted. But I didn't realize how easily things are killed. Yeah, well, we call that political mumbo jumbo, Peter. You know that. I mean, <laughs> and I've seen enough of it over the years here for sure. You know, finally, this this whole proceeding, if you will, uh, probably from from the folks I spoke to about it, it seems to me one of the most gripping parts of this discussion and panel event was the vaccine injured. I, I, I understand that that was a silent room when those folks were, were talking, huh? Yes, because I think this time the vaccine injured, these types of, of problems that were described were absolutely horrific. <clears throat> there was a, a young woman who was a fitness instructor. Uh, <clears throat> she's also a Christian missionary. She was about to embark on a mission. She was told she had to take a vaccine. She didn't want to. She goes into the uh, vaccine center, which I think is a pharmacy, takes the vaccine and, and basically has a, an acute reaction, a, a cardiopulmonary arrest. Uh, and so they, they call 911. All this uh, emergency procedures are being done. Her husband is being summoned. I mean, this is a complete mess. She was uh, in the hospital for months, had different procedures done. Uh, uh, turned out through all of this, uh, she suffered neurologic injury and she still doesn't have a clear diagnosis outside of this immediate cardiopulmonary arrest. Uh, to me, it looks like she may have had some, some form of spinal ischemia. Um, she, she, she can't, she's in an electric wheelchair now. Hmm. This is a person who was previously wow. a fitness instructor. Oh my God. She goes, I'm in an electric wheelchair. Hmm. She says, I, yeah, I, I can't get disability. I, uh, I can barely navigate in my house, which isn't, isn't set up for someone who's disabled. And one of the things she let us know is those who are being disabled from the vaccine is very different than being disabled from some other condition that's readily recognized. Really? Right? So, yeah. So if you're disabled from a, 
from a stroke or an amputation, you fill out the forms and the disability stuff just happens and, and, and you get help with, uh, you know, retrofitting your house for mm -hmm. disabled. She said, when you when you have these nebulous vaccine injuries, you know, nobody's making a clean diagnosis here. Mm. And it's so frustrating. Uh, these, again, these vignettes, I think were compelling. You know, what you just said is very disturbing. And to me, uh, it's a sign of things to come, Peter. I think it's a sign. I mean, the fact that, I mean, think about how sick that is, really. The fact that vaccines are not even acknowledged at the moment in the way that they should be as a disability. I mean, that's that's mind shattering. I mean, if you're in an electric chair, wheelchair of any sort, or so you're having these kinds of catastrophes in your life, I mean, this is, there is no greater problem to somebody. And, you know, the fact that that's not even acknowledged or accepted within the disability world is pretty sick, don't you think? It is. And I can tell you, it got worse when uh, two young men, uh, the first one was a crop duster pilot. And uh, so he's, you know, I didn't realize this, but crop duster pilots uh, are, you know, professionals that really have to be incredibly skilled. And it was explained to me the reason why is they fly these planes uh, where it's not on autopilot. These guys are at a low level. And so they, they really have to be skilled. Um, and uh, you, you, it does take a tremendous amount of, of, of manual skill. The, the pilots who fly these big commercial birds, you know, they, they yeah. get it up at, at, at autopilot and, you know, they cruise along. Yeah. Anyhow, he take, this guy takes a vaccine and uh, uh, develops terrible headaches and problems and, and up and down in this crop duster. He actually has intracranial hemorrhage on both sides. Mm needs a surgery to relieve all the blood in and around his brain. He nearly crashed the plane. He said he can't even, uh, he can't even describe how he got the plane down safely. He, and he can't fly now. Mm. He, he's lost his profession. There was another young man who's a, a military reservist, and uh, he develops a, a headache pattern and, and all kinds of neurologic deficits. And it's, 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 it takes several weeks for them to arrive at the conclusion that he also has bleeding in the brain and he also needs neurosurgery. He actually needs a burr hole drilled in his skull mm. to drain wow. out the blood. Wow. And I talked to him afterwards and I shook his hand. I noticed his arm was kind of fasciculating, kind of weak. And I said, are you back? Are you hundred percent back? He goes under no circumstances. I'm back. He goes, I've been wrecked by this. You know, from the beginning, the narrative that, we've talked about Peter all the way through is the political aspect of this thing, how political everything has always been. I mean, every part of this journey has been political and it's weird because never in my lifetime, even as an editor, as a publisher, as you know, when you put health health as a category, I give an example in the news business, very seldom would you ever put political with it. I mean, it's just the two really didn't play together. It's sincere now. I'm being sincere. And now there about isn't a post that doesn't go up under the category of health to some capacity that it doesn't have right with it political, almost everyone. And it dawned on me recently what a what a change that is in our thinking and our discussions and our talks and what we read, what we watch, what we listen to everything has turned political. I'm just wondering, 
from everything you've seen through the whole journey of this political nature, and now you see this uh, this hearing, like what took place in Mississippi, uh, you know, is, is this the next step and level where all these vaccine injuries and dangerous situations are going to come out to the light of day? I mean, you can't stop them. Like you say, a lot of the myocarditis and pericarditis and athletes and things that are happening all over the place and young men and young women and pregnancy and so on and so forth. Is this just another chapter of that, I'm wondering, where things are going to, I mean, people are going to be almost like, you know what I mean? Uh, like almost like the red scarlet letter, almost like that we, you know, they're tainted somehow and they're not accepted. Is, does that make any sense? Yeah, I think it's really going to be the context of the crisis as we are emerging contextually out of this COVID-19 crisis. And the numbers are way down, Malcolm. I mean, I think it's obvious, you, you know, the, the, you know, we're coming out of this. But, you know, if the next crisis is gender ambiguity and the permanent, you know, change in human physiology, again, it's a medical issue. I I think it'll be psychologists and obstetrician, gynecologists, endocrinologists. You know, one of my sidebar conversations with one of the lawmakers was uh, he said, listen, doc, he goes, thanks for coming. He goes, I'm not a doctor. He goes, I can't get up there and make the type of statements you can. And what I started to realize is, holy smokes, when it's a health emergency, we need doctors in positions of authority. We need lawmakers to be able to make some calls, hold some committees, get some expert advice. Most of these people are, you know, they're townspeople, they're attorneys, they're, uh, you know, real estate agents, others, and they went into politics and they really feel outgunned. Even uh, people I've talked to who are close to former President Trump, he felt completely outgunned by a health emergency. And, you know, we had uh, a stunning development yesterday on the steps of the Capitol. So uh, yes, yesterday was the press briefing. Beautiful Capitol building there in Jackson, sunny day, C- couldn't be better. The press was out. And, um, you know, we had our uh, agenda of speakers and everyone was keeping on time. And then uh, one of the state senators, Michael McClendon, says, I want the microphone. And he wasn't on the agenda. And so we didn't know what to do. We said, well, sure, Senator. And so uh, he he comes up to the microphone and he introduced himself. He said, listen, I want to tell you something. He said, my son's a medical student. Uh, my wife uh, and my son uh, took the vaccine. They strongly felt the entire family should take the vaccine. He goes, I wasn't so comfortable, but I took it because, uh, you know, this was a, uh, you know, so much family pressure. He goes, a few days later, I developed a blood clot. Mm. And now I'm on blood thinners and he Mm. talked about his regret. He goes, under no circumstances are we going to force these vaccines on children in the great state of Mississippi. And he kind of circumscribed it there. Uh, But to have uh, this senator come forward now with a a problem from the vaccines we've had at the uh, at the U.S. congressional level, Nancy Mace come forward and say, listen, you know, her nerves aren't right. She's not right most days from the vaccine. Um, I I think people in these positions speaking out will make a big impact. Yeah, it will. It will. But uh, how many times over the last few years did we talk about pressure and not just, you know, uh, career pressure, jobs, uh, pressure from college and schools, but family pressure, family pressure. I mean, I've read a lot of those letters on air where, you know, the, the the husbands and wives were feuding and the kids were in the middle of the, I mean, it was pretty, we had some really interesting tales over the last few years. 
of people who've been in the situation. So I totally appreciate that senator in uh, Mississippi, what he's saying, the, the pressure within the families. And, and this is the damage that's been done through this political exercise of what has transpired in the world and in our nation over the last few years. It's it's mind-boggling. Listen, I want to, um, uh, well, in an out loud style kind of way, uh, just give a sincere thank you, brother, to you. You're, you're in every corner of the world. You're doing things that are truly remarkable. Uh, I mean, the lives that you impact and continue to impact uh, is is truly amazing. And this is another point of that reference right here. So tremendous congratulations and just uh, appreciation and thank you uh, for everything that you put into this thing. And listeners know what I'm talking about. I mean, I, I see it every day. I'm just pleased to be in the fight with you and um, and do this thing. But anyways... Well, it's uh, we are here, uh, Q&A 58, friends. Uh, and, um, and by the way, this story on uh, Mississippi and what took place uh, was also covered a little bit on America Out Loud. Paul's pretty good, actually, uh, uh, piece of this was on uh, Dr. Um, Stuart Tankersley and Dr. Jordan Vong on America Out Loud Pulse on Tuesdays uh, is where they're on. And so don't forget all the other days of great hosts. I just want to mention that to you. Uh, we're on Wednesdays, of course, but on Thursdays, uh, Dr. Peter Bregan and Ginger Bregan, who do amazing things, always do. Uh, Fridays, Dr. Harvey Risch is there uh, doing wonderful. Mondays, Dr. Marilyn Singleton. So you, you get the idea of just an incredible group of people. Could not be prouder to be uh, in the fight with all of these um Wonderful people. So Q&A 58 here. Uh, the first couple or the first few anyways, we'll pick up a little bit on some of the Australian connection uh, from the recent journey you had to far reaches of the earth and um, uh, being uh, India. Uh, of course, we did some things there about that a couple of weeks ago. And then Australia, wonderful people in Australia. And this one's from George. He says, I am a freedom warrior and was at the recent seminar at the ICC Center in Sydney, Australia. Uh, and um, he said, as we know, most of the sudden unexplained deaths, including heart attacks, strokes, rapid cancers, neurological issues, miscarriages, et cetera, can be reasonably attributed to the experimental injection. As I understand it, these can occur at any time after the jab because we don't know when the spike protein will move uh, to a certain place in the body. And of course, this is what happens with the boosters. That's my interjection into this question or comment from this uh, listener in Australia. And that's what happens with all these boosters. And the, it's the buildup of the spike protein in the body, of course, that creates the problem. Uh, a lot of the people who are dying suddenly don't know they are sick, he, he says, he comments. However, in your talk, you said that if you have the jab and do not have any adverse reaction in the first month, you are okay, question mark, he's wondering. And with each consecutive jab, your risk increases. Okay, there it is. I, I thought that unless you had a, a saline batch that you were a ticking time bomb. Are you saying that if you have no obvious adverse events in the first month or the month of any booster, then you don't ha have any issues in the future, such as infertility or rapid cancer onset? Can you please help clarify this for me? Hmm. By looking at the vaccine adverse event reporting system in the United States, so things have come in. Now, now these are things that doctors are reporting, and they're big things hospitalizations, deaths, strokes, heart attacks. There's no doubt about it 
it looks like there's about a 30-day window where the risks are high. I mean, if something is going to happen, uh, it's going to happen in those 30 days. Now, it doesn't just shut off at 30 days. It progressively goes down, and there is a long tail of things that happen at a very low rate, but they do happen. So uh, I want everyone to understand that 30-day risk period now is is connected. Uh, we know in a paper by Castriuta and colleagues that uh, the messenger RNA loaded on the lipid nanoparticles is circulating for 28 days. It's physically circulating in the bloodstream. It's being distributed over and over again to the brain, the heart, the kidneys, at least for 28 days. It may be longer. So we see this event curve that's really high. Um, even the deaths, when they happen, they happen in close proximity to the to the vaccine. Uh, recently on Steve Kirsch's Substack, uh, he has the uh, Medicare data of uh, death and the deaths, uh, you know, the, the highest risk of death is on the first day of taking the shot and the second day and third day, and then it starts to come down. So there's, there's no doubt about it that is, there's a 30 day risk window, which also fits with a regulatory window of 30 days by which if this was a clinical trial, everything within 30 days would be attributed to the new product, everything, yeah. even a car crash, suicide, everything is attributed to it. So, uh, so we know that. Now, what people are asking for is an absolute guarantee. Is there a exactly. point by which I am free and clear? We can't say that. And then to make matters worse, before you know it, Malcolm, it's time for a booster, which yeah. comes up at six months. So if these boosters are continued uh, in terms of administration, that risk period starts all over again. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you say it very well. And I think everybody has to understand. You know, I remember some time back over, I don't know, a year ago, eight months ago, whatever, uh, when the Omicron was out there and just after Delta and all, we even commented many, many times on here about the the uncertainties. We just didn't know what was going to happen. I And I remember that moment. There was some really strange, interesting, awkward moments where we talked about what the future would bring. And how could anybody know? You can't predict. We had no way to know anything. And now it's the same thing. But, you know, Dr. McCullough, when you talk about things like um well, like cancer, the onset of these cancer cases we're hearing and things like that and heart conditions and things. And those are more long-term impacts. I mean, you're not going to know that in 30 days, those kinds of things, or you may on the heart side, but certainly on the cancer side. I mean, these things take time to really, uh, you know, uh, permeate in the body with whatever's going to take place. So anybody that's looking for a guarantee like George puts out there, you, how you can't possibly know that. And we're so, so early in the game here with this thing. I mean, once more evidence and data is out there, there might be some more indications of that down the road, but th there are no guarantees once you have these shots and boosters, right? That's the bottom line, right? Is that right? It's true. Well, cancer risk uh, is is just by convention always standardized to a five-year risk. So when there's a brand That's new right. exposure to something, let's say there's some new chemical or you know asbestos or any of these environmental exposures, we always put a five-year timeline on it and say, listen, you're not out of the woods for about five years. Now, I have not stated publicly that, that vaccines cause cancer. I think it's too early to make that call. Other people okay. are. I okay. want to see more convincing data. There still has not been a single published paper of a new case of cancer where the conclusion is the vaccine caused it. And so I, I don't think we should leap forward uh, towards cancer at this point in time. We're vigilant. Uh, I've published on my Substack how 
how the vaccine alters uh, mammograms and women need to be more vigilant, that uh, people who have existing cancers, for instance, are prone to blood clots. The vaccines clearly cause blood clots, so we have to be more vigilant. But we can't continue to jump into these giant circles of worry. I think the the cancer is the biggest one, Malcolm. I, I think if that one ultimately comes to you know complete uh, complete uh, assertion that it becomes real that the cancer risk is real i think you're going to see a panic worldwide that we've never seen before at this point in time my statement is there are no data that are conclusive that the vaccines cause cancer Okay, th- thank you. Uh, that's that's terrific. It just reminds me of how careful you are, and I so uh, appreciate that about you. You've never been a fear monger. Every moment that I've known you, uh, Peter, you've never been one of those people that just grasp onto something for uh, to create a headline or something else. So it's just another point to bring out. You know, um, it makes sense what you say there, and and I think we all should understand that. Um, we're just touching on pregnancy. I just want to tell listeners for a moment here um, who also was doing, he was on Tucker Carlson the other day too, he was doing amazing work. Uh, Dr. Jim Thorpe, who really is a really marvelous um, uh, doctor and human being, I would say, uh, he has a very interesting column up on, you want to read it, friends, uh, pushing COVID-19 shots in pregnancy, the greatest ethical breach in the history of medicine. And it's a fabulous uh, op-ed, a column on America Out Loud. And, and you can get it on the front page on the right sidebar where it says talk, radio, talk. These are some of the hot topics we talked about uh, on radio at the time. Or just go to Dr. Jim Thorpe, uh, T-H-O-R-P, under our team uh, in the nav bar. Um, and uh, he has done some pretty amazing work and is well regarded in this field, OBGYN. Uh, Dr. McCullough, you know Jim pretty well, right? Well, you know, both Dr. Tankersley and Dr. Thorpe uh, testified in the hearings in Mississippi, so where I was just with them. And uh, let me just say something about this whole developing literature about pregnancy and vaccine risk. I counted probably three dozen peer-reviewed manuscripts that have concluded that the vaccines are safe in pregnancy, at least three dozen. And every one of these papers takes, uh, I think, a biased shortcut. You know, pregnancy is a nine-month period of time. And then there's clearly several months afterwards to make sure the baby's off to a good start. And if one takes a sliver of time, like one month of data or six weeks of data, they're only getting a snapshot. They're not getting the whole picture of pregnancy. And so many of these uh, papers take a snapshot and say, well, we looked here. We didn't see anything. Therefore, it's safe. Well, in any small window of time, some women are delivering, some women are midterm, and uh, it's impossible to give assurances over this longer duration of pregnancy because, again, the vaccines have been out about two years and three months. A pregnancy takes nine months. The the ability to capture thousands of people and chronicle nine months of pregnancy is just too hard in a two-year period of time. So Thorpe has taken all the vaccine uh, event reporting data and just normalized them to what we would see with influenza vaccine, which is routinely given in pregnancy. And his papers, of which he's had several now, show a clear risk of pregnancy loss early on, stillbirth, which is defined at 20 weeks and beyond, and then fetal hemorrhage and fetal demise at the time of delivery. He clearly shows this. So the question at hand is, 
do you trust the 30 papers that are out there that don't see a signal or do you trust the the one or two that actually are are identifying the problem mm-hmm. and in safety research we're conservative and being conservative is we would uh, always pay attention to the one paper that's found a problem because we're we're interested in signals of harm and we wouldn't be dissuaded by 30 papers. You could have another 30 papers. I wouldn't be dissuaded. If one paper says, listen, there's a problem, we should go investigate it because women and babies are at risk. And one of our uh, nurse presenters yesterday used a a phrase that um, I ended up uh, using again on the steps of the Capitol, and that is canary in a coal mine. (laughs) Canary in a coal mine. Do you pay attention to these signals? Uh, you know, is the coal mine on fire? Are things about ready to implode? And do we pay attention to these signals? Are these people coming forward saying they've had brain hemorrhage, what have you? Uh, are they canaries in the coal mine? Are they really the harbingers? Are they giving an important warning to others? And so many of them told me, listen, Dr. McCall, it's not about me. The, the damage is already done. Now, there were two uh, p- uh, sets of parents that lost their children. They said, listen, I can't get them back. The damage is done. It's not about us. It's about helping and warning others. Amen. Amen to that. I'll second that one for sure. Uh, this next one is from um, Inge. Um, says, I'm part of Dr. Mel's class action suit. I have biopsies of my aorta from my aorta di- dissection surgery. Where can I get this tested for spike proteins? It would be fantastic evidence it would help the case and possibly the world. Dr. Ryan Cole has a sample and so does a professor, but neither have been able to test it yet. I'm happy to pay to pay to have it done, but I don't know how to go about doing it. Any suggestions? The methods to stain for spike protein are uh, outlined in a paper by Bomeyer and colleagues from Germany. And Bomeyer describes fairly standard techniques. He just ordered the, the antibodies to the spike protein linked with the stain and prepare the stain and stain the tissue. So I'm not a pathologist. I'm not running a lab right now, but I would refer the listener to the paper by Bowmeyer, B-A-U-I-E-M-E-I-E-R, Bowmeyer, and um, and look at those methods and see if, if somebody can't advance this to the point of doing tissue staining. By the way, one of the deaths uh, in the Mississippi deliberations was exactly that. It was a young man, perfectly healthy. There's a family history of bicuspid aortic valve. About one in 50 to one in a hundred people are born with an aortic valve that doesn't have three cusps, but it has two cusps. So it's a common valvular abnormality. And in those patients, by the way, Malcolm, I've always exempted them from COVID-19 vaccination. I've been terribly afraid of this disaster of aortic dissection. That's where the main blood tube in the body rips. And when the blood tube rips, it uh, tears it tears down the middle and either explodes into you know immediate exsanguination and death or it cuts off blood flow to critical organs causes paralysis uh, kidney failure it's just a disaster aortic dissection is an absolute disaster you may remember john ritter of three is enough yes he, he died of an aortic dissection yeah yeah and so anyhow this young man bicuspid aortic valve takes the vaccine and mm. dies of an aortic dissection has an autopsy and is proven what many are interested in is to see, well, is the spike protein, did it eat away at the aorta and weaken it? Uh, it would be helpful to know, but I have to tell you, 
aortic dissection is a published fatal complication of the vaccine. So I think just relying on the literature alone for this listener is good enough to make the case that the vaccine is the cause of death. Okay, this one's from Carrie. She says, I have a question regarding the, uh, the effects of COVID-19 in an unvaccinated person. If such an individual con- contracts the virus, is it possible for their body to completely eliminate the spike protein, or does the presence of even a small amount of the protein have the potential to continue replicating itself, thereby necessitating periodic detoxification for the remainder of one person's life. <laughs> that is not completely known. The study by Bruce Patterson, who's been a guest on the McCullough Report, that showed persistence of spike protein. The samples were taken from very severe cases in the ICU with COVID. That's very different than community outpatient COVID. And so without having the data in hand, I would infer that a mild case of COVID that we really blast with early treatment, there's no evidence of systemic invasion at all, uh, that there would be little or no spike protein in the system. There shouldn't be any spike protein in the system. Now, having said that, I think we get to the point of having COVID pneumonia. When it's in the lungs, you physically can see it on CT scanning, then the body has taken a hit with this spike protein. So I think it de- it depends on the level of invasiveness. And it also is a call uh, for early treatment to make sure we don't let this get out of hand. Okay. All right. All right. So, um, friends, uh, many of the things we're doing here, just as we pause here, I, I want to bring to your attention one of our fantastic partners and make no mistake about it. I'm proud to be in the fight with them. And that is Genesis Fogger and, and the Atomizer now, the UX4. And these are powered with HOCL, hypochlorous, which is a remarkable uh, product because put in the air, this uh, breaks things down. I mean, well, well it's not, it not only is in the air, but it's, not, it's one of the very few things that whether whether something is on a, uh, a hard surface or a substance or in the air, which is where a lot of this uh, SARS-CoV-2 stuff and COVID stuff was in, um, this thing has an impact on it. Now, the atomizer, you run that consistently. You put the HOCL in it, and it puts a dry mist in the ear. It's, it, it, there's a, how do I say to you? There's a sense of security because I have it running in, in my own home. And there's just a sense of security with that thing running that is killing these kinds of variants of problems. It also has an impact on mold, which you've heard Dr. McCullough and I speak about from time to time, because we had some stories about that. Mold is a is a real debilitating uh, problem for in life. I've seen it up front with people and what it does to somebody's life. So this HOCL is a very viable product to look at. We're always looking for solutions and ideas to help people out in their journey in life. And this is something now, Dr. McCullough, you always talked, of course, you you pretty from the beginning, even things, there's so many applications of this, but you've even talked about bathrooms and that sort of thing and public places having it because you you get that residue that's left, which creates, there's other pro- problems that are not uh, something we want to take into our bodies that impacts our health. But I just want to bring the folks' attention and really put a spotlight on this HOCL and the UX4 atomizer and the Genesis Fogger. They're different, Dr. McCullough. Are these products? They do they they apply, you know, it's different than just taking a pill or something. They have a different impact for safety and our mindset and a security, don't you think? 
Oh, there's no doubt about it. If you've had someone sick with a diarrheal illness, you really want to decontaminate the entire bathroom with the Genesis fogger. I mean, the mobile unit, you know, that gray unit you pick up and you move right into the room and you and you go ahead and, and, and sterilize the room. The reason being is, you know, believe it or not, there's forms of diarrheal illness that are airborne to some degree, Clostridium difficile, Norwalk virus, uh, others. Um, you know, you definitely want to do this. Someone who's sick and they've had a respiratory illness, respiratory syncytial virus, influenza, COVID, you know, that room is loaded with uh, organisms. So you want to decontaminate it. And again, that mobile unit is what you want to do. Uh, but for a lot of people, you know, they have common areas where people are always in and out in these common areas. And that's where uh, the stationary unit, which really can sit on a, on a shelf and, uh, and provide kind of continual air cleaning is what you want to utilize. You know, these are reasonable things. Uh, the healthcare facilities use forms of these. And I think people are, you know, given emerging out of the pandemic, people in everyday life are starting to take measures to try to reduce the intensity and the frequency of these periodic infections. I think a lot of us are just sick of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the, the UX4, the, uh, I love what the way you just described the fogger versus the atomizer. The atomizer, the UX4, I have on my, uh, my wife and I have it on our, um, uh, counter in the kitchen. And you can see it right there and you can see the dry mist. It's, it's, it, it I mean, it's, you just know it's there and it's clean in the air co co continuously, no matter who's in and out or what's happening. And it does a great job. And so anyways, I want to point that out. The fogger, Dr. McCullough said, that's easy because you can go from room to room, that sort of thing. And so they both work really well together, but each one serves a different purpose anyway. So uh, the point being, all of these products are available to you and the uh, Genesis product lines uh, you, you want to use the code out loud and the upfront cost is going to be the product itself, the UX for the, the atomizer or the fogger friends. The HOCL is not, it's very inexpensive that you put in the product to maintain it, of course. Um, but those products are available uh, using out loud. You'll get a 15% discount on those products. So it's, it's a substantial uh, break for you. But let me be clear with you. And I, I forgot about this, but the other day was looking at this and talking about it. And the UX4 with the discount of that, it's only like 348 or something like that. Uh, I could be off a few dollars, but it's in that range, as I recall. It's not expensive at all. And so for those who really want it, and, and they also with these, when you purchase these things online now, uh, and a lot of you can break these down in, in simple payments. You do that through when you buy them through the um, the companies, you know what I mean? Uh, whatever they are, these organizations, these PayPal kind of companies, whatever, uh, into four equal payments kind of thing. And it doesn't cost anybody anything or you or what have you with your card. So it's another option, obviously, for you if you need that, friends. But the UX4 and, and the Fogger itself is a little bit more, but well worth it. Both of these products are and the HOCL goes in. So take a look at those. Uh, genesisfogger.com um, forward slash out loud, or as always, right back at americaoutloud.com. You'll see the, the banner ads. Just click the banner ad. It'll put you right in there. You automatically get the discount. Uh, that's the way to do it, friends. We'll take a quick pause and we'll rejoin you just on the other side here. You're listening to America Out Loud Pulse. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger. 
but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Have you had COVID-19 recently or have suffered a vaccine injury syndrome? You know, all of these conditions are metabolic, catabolic strains on the body. The body has increased needs for essential micronutrients and minerals. And the GI tract may not be functioning completely normally in terms of absorption. The solution, Healthy Cell. Healthy Cell has an entire product line using MicroJo technologies. So these are in liquid gel packs that you simply uh, rip open and a quick squirt and you've got everything you need in terms of nutrients. The product lines are the Immune Super Boost, the uh, Focus in Memory, and my favorite, the REM Sleep supplement for an ideal night's sleep. Try them out. Go to HealthyCell.com and enter in out loud for a discount on your first purchase. Oh, or go on our platform, America Out Loud Talk Radio, and click on the banner bar, Healthy Cell, to get your discount on your first boxes of uh, Healthy Cell products. So let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. AmericaOutloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Welcome back, friends, to America Out Loud Pulse. This is Q&A 58 here with, with Dr. Peter McCullough here, and uh, it's Malcolm Out Loud here. Privileged to be with you always. Uh, I want to wrap up a few more of these questions uh, from even the Australia bit here. And uh, this one here, now this this is one i got to ask you, and I don't know. Uh, it says, Dr. McCullough, please, would you be able to have a written transcript? I've seen a few questions like this, actually, so I'm just going to put this one out there. Transcript of your speech, Dr. Corey's speech and Dr. McCann's speech there uh, uh, from Australia. 
uh, we'd love to have this information. They have trouble hearing certain people and pronunciation of things, and they're wondering, is that something that's available, Dr. McCullough, for folks, or or is it not available? Right. Our two curators are Sue Ellen Wrightson and James McDonald. So I'll message them. They're okay. gonna they're putting together a very professional video production. And I think that's a reasonable request to have a transcript because now these were important deliberations. I think people exactly. specifically want a transcript on Dr. McCann's opener right. where she gave the line by line evidence that the TGA is actively covering up fatal injuries. Yeah, and that, and that's what they're saying. They're saying exactly what you said. And, they, and, and the comments are, and I've gotten multiples of these. I'm just bringing one up for the point here. It says, we were unable to understand some of the speeches that we really, really want this information. So I'll tell you what, please, as a follow-up, if you're able to find that connection and they can do that with the transcripts, we'd love to make them available through this post and through our audience here and listeners, okay? So anyways, we'll follow back up with your friends, but we put it out there. Our next one's from Robin. I'm a 54-year-old female, never received a COVID shot. Today, I am on day six of the first ever COVID infection and woke up without my sense of smell. Yesterday, I felt like I was significantly improving, but now discouraged. Uh, completely five. Uh, I completed five days of ivermectin and HCQ yesterday, taking nutraceuticals as well. Is it normal to have this kind of a setback? It is. And most always in my clinical practice, I put patients on corticosteroids. So, you know, the steroids of prednisone or the dexamethasone is terribly important. The antiviral alone, which is the hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin is sometimes and many times not enough. We need a little steroids to calm down that inflammation so people can get over the hump. Yeah, yeah. And and that's exactly it. The, this thing can, and the one thing about COVID I discovered is it comes back and hits you. I'll tell you about more of that in a moment, friends. Let me get this last other one in from Judy here. Is ivermectin effective against all viruses, respiratory viruses only? I'm 81 years old and it saved my life September 21 from the Delta strain. So talking about ivermectin, is it effective against all viruses? Well, you know, I don't know if we really know that, do we? Dr. Pierre Corey, who is with us on our Australian tour, is really doing a deep dive on this and uh, had a lot of hopeful statements. Ivermectin may be one of the most wonderful discoveries that we've had with respect to a broad antiviral Mm -hmm. effect. So people have been empirically using it for other non-COVID infections and have found success. We'll have to see how the data come through on this. Remember, this is one of the few drugs itself that's won the Nobel Prize for Curing river blindness is used for scabies. It was 95 studies in COVID, 45 randomized trials. Uh, ivermectin is an amazing drug, safer than Tylenol. And I would not be surprised if more uses are found for it. Yes, yes. Ivermectin has, uh, you know, as Dr. McCullough was just saying, is one of the uh, the marvelous um, medications, drugs that came out of this COVID deal that uh, has been eye-opening for folks. And that's why a lot of people still ask a lot of interesting things about it. You know, I, I we used it myself and my wife. I mean, when we went through COVID, we were in it when we had the Delta variant. So it was the worst possible moment. And ivermectin uh, was a big part of saving my wife's life, to be sure. Many of you know what we went through and what we experienced personally with my own story. Um, but it was those early treatment medications uh, in a series of those that Dr. McCullough and I and others were, I mean, we were able to understand this was back at the heat of Delta and give my wife that eventually saved her life, although we were pretty close to uh, 
uh, you know, she was pretty close to being put on a uh, ventilator in a medical coma. And so, you know, friends, we've been through these stories. These are personal stories to us. We've lived this like you have. And we've also had near-death experiences in ways that, um, you know, just stop you in your tracks and make you appreciate life and understand what we all go through. Sometimes we don't appreciate things until it's too late. I don't wish that on anybody. I don't wish it for anybody in our audience. So I hope you take the time today. And I, this is a good reminder of myself, too, to take the time to uh, be, to you know, be blessed and look at the good things. And it's just a good reminder. I need it as well right about now. We get so busy with the day-to-day, you know, we forget sometimes you know, what that's all about. This other point that Dr. McCullough was just talking about, uh, and I was in in regards to uh, the, this question, the, the COVID and um, like uh, the setbacks, the setbacks. See, that's the one thing I can tell you right now uh, with our experience about these variants is it's it's not we have a hard time because we we don't we, we you, you can't relate these to a normal uh, sickness or illness. OK, you just can't. And, you know, normally when you have some sort of a flu or influenza or that sort of thing or some sort of attack like this, you know, you get to a point and you know, you're you know, you're on the improve and you're just going to improve. You normally don't get those massive setbacks. So is COVID-2. COVID is a whole different animal. The one thing about it is that I discovered personally, for me, personally, myself and my wife and others around me is it it's sort of, um, you know, just when you think you, you can't take anything for granted with COVID, just when you think that, you know, you're over it or you uh, you rest on your laurels a moment, you you put your guard down. In other words, you, hey, I'm over it. I don't need to finish that or I don't need to take the nutraceuticals anymore. Yeah, I'm feeling fine. I got to tell you, friends, it's it's going to be a problem because just when you do that, this thing will hit you three ways to Sunday or day or two later. And, and like uh, Robin asked with the questions that she puts, uh, you'll get hit again uh, from something. And it's a, it's a, it's a real problem. It, it'll resurface, in other words, in another area. And that's another thing with the symptoms. That's another thing I discovered that uh, Dr. McCullough speaks about often, too, is that many of these things, you know, everybody's different. The way it impacts our body is different. I mean, something you may have more of an attack and a more of a problem in a certain area that I may not. Somebody else may have a little certain different problem. Someone else may not. Uh, so this, you know, just understand there's no straight recipe on this thing. Like you're going to have the same problems or the same symptoms that I have. It doesn't work that way. Not, not with this field of COVID. It's not just one, you know, plan here or one plan of attack, I guess, on our bodies and our minds. Uh, it's multifaceted. And that's why with all these myocarditis and pericarditis and cancers and other things that there's so much we don't know. And the impact of the human body, which was not designed for this sort of a bioweapon, friends. And it certainly wasn't designed for the buildup of spike protein and the onset of all of these problems with uh, va- uh, with vaccines and um, boosters and the kinds of things we've seen here. You know, I want to take a moment with you. Since it's just you and I here right now, and and since and Dr. McCullough in the last question had to get to a another hearing, another conference, as you can uh, tell at a moment here, and he he it just said to me in his parting words, with uh, you know, please elaborate on some of these uh, stories and some of these um, thoughts that we had with the last few questions. But I want to tell you something here, you know, we, we all meet interesting people in our lives. 
Um, sometimes we don't realize it at the moment of how special that is. You know, in one of the greatest gifts of all of this, this horrible chapter we've all been through, is to see heroes like Dr. Peter McCullough. And, you know, you can never talk about him like this when he's here on the mic with me. You know that. You see how he never, when I give him a compliment, you know, it's pretty common. I mean, you don't, as a, you know, none of us like that so much where we take it, we get embarrassed a little bit or something else. So it's hard to do that, friends, to say what kind of a, you know, and I'll tell you every bit of it. And let me give you firsthand knowledge and experience. I mean, I've done more on air with with Peter McCullough than anybody on planet Earth, to be sure, in this lifetime uh, because of America Out Loud. And so I've gotten to know him very well, clearly, over these last uh, few years. And we've worked together hand to hand. Now, this has been a blessing of a lifetime for me as a radio broadcaster and as a person that... Um, you know, um, sort of found themselves in the fight of our lives. Wasn't really sure. Um, you know, perhaps I didn't sign up for this in the beginning, not knowing what was going to transpire, friends, you know, what would happen down the road. But, you know, life throws us curveballs and things, and we have to react accordingly. One of the greatest gifts of all of this was to be able to be hand in hand and arm in arm with Dr. Peter McCullough and get to know him in the way it has been truly a blessing. But, you know, I can say that about a lot of other people on the platform. Uh, and America Out Loud is, is, a, is a rallying call. It's a magnet for magnificent people that look at this. And there's something about it. It's truly special. Like he and I, McCullough and I were talking last week about Dr. Harvey Risk now, who's on Fridays. He was saying, well, I was surprised he jumped into it as an academic. And, you know, well, yeah, because he's seen the need. And I think he also seen that he could be part of something bigger. That's what America Out Loud is. I think it's a movement. It's a mission. It's far greater than any one person, or far greater than I, for sure. But I'm just, you know, like the orchestra conductor, I guess, maybe way to say it. Does that make sense? You know, I may not know how to play every, every uh, instrument. You know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, when you got the best medical doctors on the planet here, you got the best engineers, you got the best scientists, you got the best speakers, you got the best. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I can't say I know everything that they know by any stretch. I don't know every instrument in the orchestra, but I surely know how to get those people to the microphone so they can have and and be respectful to the moment of letting them have that part of the conversation. And I think that's what we do here at America Out Loud. That's the whole plan. And I know many of you see that. You appreciate it. You talk to us about it. And we, we've we been very clear on everything, even the products and the program, you know, the, a lot of the uh, sponsored products. We have a lot of companies, by the way, and organizations that want to get on here. We're very selective, very, very selective in who we participate with. And we just are. And I make sure it goes through a process. And Dr. McCullough has a say in all of these products, um, it's just been that way from the beginning. And I just feel better that way than we're making decisions just because of business or yeah, there's more to life than money, people, far more to life than that. So I'd rather have it to be effective. I want to have things that create a win-win, something that elevates people's lives, something that brings value. I don't want to be just selling stuff through the trunk of the car. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, there's got to be more to life than that, friends. And, and that's how serious I take it here with the people we participate with and partner with. And it really is a partnership. And that's what I find with all the companies. And there are people I've worked with over the last many years 
And we built up a special relationship and rapport. So it's a very beautiful thing. And that's why it's great to have these doctors and others involved in these organizations. And by the way, I'll have some big announcements coming up. I believe next week, it could be as soon as next week or the week after, which uh, is going to be truly a, um, a very exciting point here, which Dr. McCullough and I will be talking about on this broadcast, a new product line and some new things that we are pretty juiced about. I can't say any more right now, but we're in the process of bringing it all together. And uh, I think you're going to be blown away or thrilled as I am and some of the things we can do. So really supporting things that we can help people's lives with is very, very important. But I just want to come back and give you the thought of being celebratory about the people we get a chance to work with in this life. And Dr. Peter McCullough is one of those people that has blessed all of us. I mean, you see, he's off to hearings, he's off to this, he's off to that, he's doing things. And, you know, I know what that means. You're you're shaping public policy, you're impacting people's lives in very unique ways. Uh, and it's a lot of the movement we have here. You see, Dr. Lee Men Yang is in the in the news recently on Tucker Carlson again on all the news stories with, you know, where the, the China lab, you know, things we reported on two and a half, half years ago, all of a sudden the media is kind of having a, I could have had a V8 moment huh, and come to their senses maybe for a quick second. huh? Yeah, there's a lot more to that story for sure. But she's been all over this as well. Uh, so you're you're seeing a lot of these people um, that, that are in part of the platform here. Uh, Tom Renz, got to mention him as well, the attorney who rose to really start him, I think, uh, just being a really great, interesting man. His show, the Tom Renz show, plays 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Give that a listen. And if you like a little entertainment with your talk radio and a little bit of fun as well, he's uh, definitely got a little sarcasm. Uh, but he's like a lot of us. He's tired of the BS. And he's hidden back. And friends, that's what we got to do. We become part of the problem or we become part of the answer. That's what I always talk about, the mission. And that's what America Out Loud is, a mission. So help me and celebrating these superstars on the platform. Help us by sharing the out loud truth and celebrating the heroes. Okay? You know, the Tom Renses, the Dr. Harvey Rishes, the uh, uh, Dr. Lee Mignens, and the Dr. Peter McCullers. And there's a whole bunch more on the platform. I know I shouldn't do that because I'd have to sit here for a long time and start reading all their names, but they're all part of the journey and the mission here. And we could not be more thrilled to, to have this uh, in the fight. Friends, thank you for joining us on the mission here. It is always a privilege to be with you on America Out Loud Pulse. Always a beat again.